Life's better with some good company. You're listening to the Good Co. Podcast with Brett and Emma. Discuss the hot topics, the hard ones, and everything in between. Here's the Good Co. Podcast with your hosts, Brett and Emma. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) It's the Good Co. Podcast. Emma just looked at me just blank-faced as I told her, start the podcast. You didn't tell me start. You just pointed at me. Okay, but our hand signals tell something. (laughs) (laughs) Right, which is why I started. What does this one mean? (laughs) Brett's doing the bird flapping with his arms. That means talk. We actually have a lot of hand signals. They pretty much all mean talk. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them randomly mean wrap it up, but... That's the the hawk. No, I thought that was pigeons. Oh, what? Or or land the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Land it. Uh, if only you could be in the studio with us. We, you need know, a, we need a video so they can see. You know, maybe next season we'll have to do some podcasts on the road. Let us know what you think about that. That would be so fun. Brett and I'm in the car. Bro. Well, not necessarily on the road. No, literally. But like, <laughs> oh, I was literally. thinking we would just sit in the middle oh, of the road. Sit and in the car <laughs> on the middle of the road. And no, no, on. not even in a car. Just <laughs> oh, on the road. <laughs> oh, Brett and Emma on the streets. <laughs> okay, but we are fun on road trips. Okay, yeah. We've never taken one together. <laughs> no, we haven't. But I feel like it'd be we funny. We drove to the church the other day in the was, station vehicle. That like was pretty fun. like a 15-minute drive. I'm pretty sure one of us even said, I think people would love to just sit in the back seat of the car with us. That was you. You say that almost every time we're in a car. <laughs> because the conversation's so dumb at times. You're talking about tornadoes. Oh, we were. And if cows can survive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about that. Well, do you think they can? We did talk about this already. All right. So recap the conversation. Get my <laughs> brain going. I was passionate. I know we that. We drove past a cornfield. There's some stalks laying down. Brett oh, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tornado touched down there. Yeah. I so said, we recently had a really bad storm in Port Huron, and they said that there was like a small tornado that went through. Yeah. And nothing like really bad. So it's like, some don't, corn don't worry. But the, there's a whole like row of corn that just was completely just grounded. Yeah. And so then Emma asks, (laughs) do you think a cow could survive a twister? I hope they don't. That's what you said. (laughs) I do hope that for them because, listen, I was thinking about it. You do hope they die. Cows are, well, I wouldn't want to survive a twister. That does not sound fun. Like, cows are so beefy. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even mean to do that. Like, I just don't feel like. Their neck would snap easily. Like, they just might they might break their legs. They have little legs. But then I was thinking, I think that they would survive if they were... Like, you know that picture of, like, a cow in a twister? Yeah. That's like, what I was thinking of. And so I was, think, I was saying, I bet you they're still alive when they're in the twister because they probably haven't, like, made impact with anything yet. But I bet you it'd be so hard to breathe. Yeah, that was a very good point you made. I'm just now thinking about it, though. If there's other things flying around in the twister, they're probably getting beat up. <laughs> that beefy cow is <laughs> getting beat up. Poor guy, yeah. Tenderized. I hope he doesn't survive. <laughs> okay. But anyways, what I was trying to say is if you think that we should come to a coffee shop near you, let us know. Yeah, we like coffee. Well, Brett likes coffee. I drink chai a lot. You've been drinking tea a lot, too. Yeah, well, because I sound like this. If you can tell I'm sick, pretend you can't, okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sometimes when people text me, I copy their texting style 
And I want to talk about this, Brett, because I have a really strong feeling that you don't do this. But it's like if they start, you know how people text with like just all lower cases? Sure. If they're texting me like that, I'll start responding in lower cases. If they use a lot of emojis, I'll use a lot. If they aren't using any, I will stop using emojis. Like however they're texting, I and it's on accident. It's not on purpose. This is so on brand for us. I know. Because I'm so not that way. I knew it. I knew you would be like this. Because you... You tend to match the intensity of everybody around you. Yeah. Or match like the anti-intensity of people around you. You just just match whatever energy they're giving off. It's true. And so I am just, I am who I am. You are the energy that I try to match. Yeah. And so when we're in a studio together, it works. It does work. You know what I mean? But I I use a lot of explanation points. That's just who I am. You would. I would. I see that for you. Do you do the, the colon and the parentheses smiley face or do you do like an emoji smiley face if you're gonna send a smiley well it depends if i'm like typing it then it's just like the colon and parentheses thing but if it's not and it's in my phone and i'm like i'm messaging someone yeah the emoji keyboard's so much easier i do i use both you would <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right all right it's time for it <laughs> Okay, I just gotta say, this is bathroom talk, but it's not Brett, like no, it's not like too bad. Okay, I promise. I asked you before this, this how like bad two, it was. It's twofold bathroom talk because right. it came to me, the thought came to me in the bathroom, but it's also about the bathroom. So I'm it's, concerned how the bathroom is your creative time. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I'm a little concerned about that too. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking, there's only one thing worse than not changing the roll of toilet paper after you finish it. You want to know what it is? What? Leaving only one square on it. Okay, you are so passionate about this. I've heard you talk about this before. What What are you to do if there's one square you don't need? You also get mad at like two squares. Honestly, just, if there's only like five left, I feel like you're mad. I feel like it's more dangerous to just try to use one square <laughs> <laughs> than to just throw that one square away. You know what I mean? Like it is inconsiderate to just leave an empty roll on the on the teepee holder. Yeah, real. But no pun intended. But <laughs> um, I think it's more dangerous to try to use that one piece of square. You know what I mean? So you'd rather the person before you just use the one extra square. Yeah, don't just they leave want- one stupid square on that <laughs> roll, and then throw That's the roll away. That's a fair point. So really, what should happen is you should use the rest of the toilet paper and throw it away. You and just, replace it. You just don't want to change the toilet but, paper roll. But if you don't feel like you should replace it, at least throw it away and leave the, the roll empty because... Really? Okay, that's at least taking it the, to the next step. I think that's I worse. Personally, I personally would replace it, but at least you're throwing it away and only leaving me with one job to do when I That shows me like you had the time and the thought to change it, but didn't. That's worse. Doing it halfway? Sure. I agree with that. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page about that. I still don't think I would. I think I'd still be happier if they just threw it away instead of just leaving it there. If you're enjoying all the good company right now, would you consider rating the podcast and leaving a review? And just maybe your comment or question could end up on the next podcast. So today on the podcast, we are covering a question that actually I found in a show prep thing for our radio show which is pretty good. You should check that out sometime if you get a chance. Our radio show? Yeah. Come join us. It's <laughs> 2 to 6 on the dial 90.7 or if you're not in the area, myhopefm.net. 
So the question that I came across, though, was what are some hallmarks to the Christian faith? Hallmark movies I mean... is the first thing I thought of. But that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> so don't go there, Emma. Okay, yes. <laughs> hallmarks of the Christian faith. So I uh, did some research. Um, I just actually looked up on the Webster Dictionary. I'm like, what, what does hallmark mean as a noun? And... It came up with two definitions. I'm going to save one for the end. It'll make more sense at the end. Sneaky. Yeah, I know. But the first one, and it's just super easy. This will set up the rest of our conversation, is it's a distinguishing characteristic. So what are some distinguishing characteristics of the Christian faith, personally? Yeah, yeah like looking at my own life or looking at the lives of people that I know, what are things that are super obviously like, if you've got this... You've got to have the faith type of thing. And Emma did bring some up something in our conversation before this that I actually in this moment think we should definitely cover just blanketly is the idea of growth. And I think a lot of these filter through this idea of a, a Christian should be growing in their walk with Jesus. Yes, I totally agree with that. That's kind of what we were talking about beforehand is like a lot of the things that we're going to talk about growth is just a part of them. So growth doesn't need to be its own its own point, but each of these things we do need to grow in or else our faith is either stagnant or non-existent. And I think like when I look to other people to know like where are they at in their faith, I, I look for signs of yeah. growth. And if they're saying they've been a Christian for 60 years or 10 years or three years, do I see signs of them being different now than they were that amount of time ago? Sure. So... Let's jump in. I think we have four, right? Yeah. So let's jump in with it. Uh, what is the first one? Faith in Jesus. Because I, I think that's super important. Yeah. Um, the foundation, the cornerstone, the building block for the rest, if you How will. many Jesus-y words can you I'm going to give that? some more metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me. I think faith in Jesus, though, is uh, the first building block to it, to kind of go along your point. Uh, for many Christians, accepting Jesus as their as their their Savior, their Lord, is the definition and the defining moment of their faith journey. Yeah, I read um, some verses when I was kind of like looking through this and preparing for this, and one of them was John six thirty five, and it was then Jesus declared, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so that's talking about the faith and belief and just talking about being filled by Jesus. I think that's a hallmark of the faith. You can't have faith or claim to have faith without having the filling of Jesus and the faith in who Jesus is. And I would say if you're probably listening to this podcast, you probably have that foundation. Yeah. If not, though... Um, want to give you an on-ramp to that foundation. And so if you have questions about uh, a personal walk with Jesus, our website has a place where you can type in questions. Just simply say, interested in knowing what it looks like to walk mm. with Jesus. Um, and we, w- we would both love to reach out to you and connect personally. And, and that will stay off the podcast, but we just want to make sure that we give you an on-ramp to that foundation. Totally. Or if you have any questions about the other stuff we continue to talk about, or if you're just really young in your faith and are like, I do have faith, but I want to know more about where it goes. And so you can do that at our website. It's myhopefm.net. Just click on air, click podcast, and then right there you'll see what podcast you're listening to. Another one that we talked about 
is repentance and forgiveness. Mm. And I do think it's an important one. Initially, Brett, you brought this one up. And initially I was like, brilliant. (laughs) Maybe that's what you thought about it. (laughs) I thought, I don't know if that's a hallmark, but the more I thought about it, the more it really is. And I think I didn't want it to be a hallmark because uh, it sounds kind of hard. And it's something I've like struggled with more than some of the other things in my faith is especially the forgiveness piece. I don't always mm. want to be quick to forgive. I want to be angry and hold it over their heads yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it feels so good to be angry. Well, no, I'm just kidding. It doesn't. But <laughs> um but I do think that's like that is a hallmark of the faith is if you're walking first of all repentance obviously because Sure. You have to repent and you have to ask for forgiveness for your sins to be walking with Jesus. Mhm. And so I think I think both of them are really important. And forgiveness isn't only sought from God, but it's ex- like that, that's the first piece of it is like seeking forgiveness for the things that we've done mm-hmm. in the past. But I think the outpouring of forgiveness is is the more even more the hallmark of yeah. a Christian life. Come on, because it's so much harder to do. I actually I had a verse for this one. It was Colossians three five. It said. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. And so that goes with the repentance part of it. And then extending forgiveness is so much harder personally for me as well, because I, I tend to be one of those. I actually think it's easier for me to forgive people that hurt me, but not easy to forgive people who hurt the people around me. Mm. And so that's, that's where I really struggle with that. Whoa, that's a really good, that's a really good point, actually. I didn't think about that part of it, but I think that's good. I also think it's super interesting because it it goes back to the parable that Jesus tells about the debtor and he has a master and he owes like a ton of money to the master. Mm. And then the master forgives the debt because he can't pay it. But immediately he goes to someone else and asks for like the very small amount of money that this person owes them. And then is like awful to them when they don't pay him immediately. And I think that is the human condition and more specifically my condition when it comes to forgiveness. Like God has forgiven me from so much and yet as soon as I'm wronged even slightly, I don't want to forgive. Which I think is just almost natural in a lot of the, I guess, a lot of these hallmarks that we're talking about. But um, I think that is one of the things that's so difficult to do is like I see that Jesus has already modeled these things for me. Mm. I know that I should do it, but sometimes the the emotional side of it yeah. clouds my willingness to forgive at times or uh, totally. it just gets in the way of what I'm trying to do or even what I know is right. The most annoying part about forgiveness too is I know that it's like worse for me than it is for them if I choose to not forgive them, but I'm like trying to convince myself that I'm punishing them. when I'm like really punishing myself like I'm the one who's sitting there miserable thinking about it all the time always frustrated always trying to get even always feeling like I have the short end of the stick and then I maybe like say a mean thing to them or something and I'm like yeah I showed them and and really I'm I'm the one who's having the most problems from it but I'm trying to convince myself that I'm actually harming them when I'm harming myself way more. And along those lines, I think when you do offer forgiveness and you finally get to the point where you can forgive someone, it is almost more for you than it is for Mm, them. Yeah. And honestly, you can forgive somebody without even telling them that you forgive them. Like sometimes 
it's not. I mean, it's most times I, I bet actually that person isn't going to know that they did something. So they're not going to say that they're sorry. They're not going to apologize or, or seek that forgiveness. Totally. But we're still called to forgive them. And so I think sitting in the, the bitterness or the hurt that that person caused you um, actually causes more damage to your heart and to your soul. And it mm-hmm. might borderline hinder your prayers at times yeah because you're you're stuck in this bitterness and you have unresolved forgiveness to get like to extend and go there go there (laughs) say that brett you better go there (laughs) no but i i do think that when you finally extend forgiveness i think there's something so spiritually healing about that because then god is finally a lot like seeing that okay you've forgiven this person so we're going we're able to take the next step spiritually Totally, totally. And I don't even think it borderline hinders your prayers. I think it does hinder your prayers at times, especially when you continue to walk in unforgiveness. And speaking to the growth piece, I I definitely used to like never forgive anyone. I do think as I grow with the Lord, he pushes me to forgive more. Uh, it's still not my most favorite thing, but it does come a little bit quicker than it used to. So that's that's good at least. This is my favorite one. And it it would totally, you're going to say it would be, it totally would be, but community and fellowship. That's your whole personality. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting to say the least, but I, I love this piece of, of faith because I think it, first of all, I think it's so important Yeah. because first of all, growth, like we talked about in the very beginning happens oftentimes in, in a community of people who are pushing you towards Jesus. Um, and a fellowship of believers, but it's so important uh, in in your journey as uh, growing at having some people to call you out. I recently joined a uh, discipleship group uh, with a few guys, a small group of guys at my church, and we're going through this curriculum. And I gotta say, it is extremely important. Like, yeah, my wife is a, a big part of my community, and I I have like constant fellowship with my sure, wife. Yeah, but these guys are asking me hard questions mm. and consistently. So we meet every week. And so they're, they're able to know pretty intimately what's going yeah. on in my life. And I, I have to say that is probably one of the most powerful things. And we're only in like three or four weeks now. Wow. And it's already like that big of a deal for you. Yeah. That's awesome. I do think like the church, the church inherently is a body of Mm -hmm. believers for fellowship and that come together for community. And I I do like a lot of street evangelism and such. And so I talk to a lot of people who say things like, I believe in God. I have a personal relationship with God, but I don't go to church. And I totally think you can believe in God and have a relationship with God and not go to church. Here's the problem with that, though, is when you do start struggling or even when you're doing really good, there's nobody to kind of bring you back to what the word says. Like we are human and iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. We need people who are like-minded surrounding us. And so whether that's just like a great group of Christian friends that pushes you, whether that's your church body and like a small group at your church, or whether it's a young adults group at your church, or whether it's a 65 plus at your church or a game night you do with your close Christian friend, like whatever it looks like, it can look different, 
But if you don't have other Christians who are pouring into you and who are surrounding you, when things get really good, you're going to be tempted to get prideful and start to like misconstrue scripture a little bit because mm-hmm. no one's reminding you of what it means. And when things get really bad, you're going to start to be like, where is God? And there's nobody there to kind of carry the weight with you and to bring you back to truth when you need it. This is a verse that I share oftentimes uh kind of as my call in, into what I'm doing here, and especially like as I help other stations with fundraising at times, like this is oftentimes what I, I consider one of my ministry work verses. But this verse out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, is actually a very great example of fellowship, Christian community. It says, And let us consider how to stir one another up towards love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And if if you're easily offended, I'm so sorry about this next part. This probably will step on some toes, uh, and it's twofold. Number one, online church isn't going to give you the community that you need. It's true. And I know that online church has extremely taken off since COVID, and some people haven't returned back to it. I think I think it's extremely good, but I think you and I think it could be a tool. I think totally. you could do that on Sundays, but I think you have to have believers who are asking you how you're doing, yeah, how, how, who, people who care about you. Yes. So like, don't don't misconstrue what I'm saying there. Like, I think online church could be used if you if you're if you attend online church, like. I'm I'm glad that you're you're still you're seeking that out, but I just pray that you have another community of people who are pushing you towards Jesus. Right. That doesn't fulfill your community. Yeah. That's not your community. It's great if you use it, but there needs to be another community there. And then secondly, if the podcast this podcast is your only source of community, I don't I don't think we're going to cut it either. True. Or any podcast. Yeah. Like if you're a, a act an active podcast consumer and this is one of seven you listen to, like this is not the same as sitting down with other believers and having community. Mm-hmm. We love that you're here. Yeah. We love you, but you need more too. Mm-hmm. More than Emma. <laughs> hey, <laughs> more than Brett too. <laughs> All right. That brings us to the last one, which is my favorite. Which is funny because I think it's a little controversial, mm. but um, it is biblical. Let me, let me see if I can play devil's advocate. Then. You're gonna. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> but the last one, the fourth hallmark of faith. Wait, let me go back through the ones we've gone through so far. Faith in Jesus, repentance and forgiveness, community and fellowship, and this last one, good works. Mm. It's a little controversial. So because, doing something about your faith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a little controversial because I feel like the church, especially in America, has pushed really hard against that in recent years because our faith is not defined by our works. And that's super important to know. Which but, Ephesians, I'll just share okay. the verse. Yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah. share the verse. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that nobody can boast. Amen. Which... That was exactly, as soon as you said works, I'm like, oh, we're here we I'm go. going to play some devil's advocate here. But no, I, I agree with you. So you're, that's you're a great on the right verse. Track. I love it. This is the, this is the one I'm going to use to combat that one. So I totally agree. And it's what it says at the end is your faith is not, what's it say? Can you read the last few sentences? Uh, not a result of works, so that nobody can bo- yes. boast. Your faith is not a result of works, which is so true. You don't get faith because you do good things. You don't, you can't go to heaven because you do good things. You have that because of faith in Jesus. But 
James 2.18 says, Some will say, You have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Mm. He's saying faith is seen by your deeds, by what you do. It's like the same concept as having fruit as a Christian. Like people can tell that you're a Christian because of what they see, because of what you do, because of the fruit that is shown. And I That's like really fully good. believe this. We need compassion and love. I, uh, I think that what you're trying to say is that works are almost a evidence of, of what you're growing your totally. faith in. And so I think wholeheartedly agree. If you, if you are solely relying on your mouth to tell everybody what you believe, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, we've I, all met those people. I mean, I talk for a living. So if that's <laughs> the only reason that you see, don't 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 put your fingers at me right now. But uh, I actually was just writing down a few different things that came to my mind when you were write, like presenting this topic. Um, and these are some things that you could put feet to your faith and do. Uh, and they were just sim- simple ideas is uh, going. Period. Doing. Period. Showing up. Period. And giving. Yeah. Those are all so good. And some of them are, you'd have to really elaborate on them, but I think those are really just simple ideas that you could put feet to your faith. And that's kind of what you mean by deeds. It doesn't just mean going out and uh, feeding the hungry. Yeah. I think that is a really good thing to do. And I think that it is great evidence of what, that that you're probably doing it for something bigger than yourself and, and possibly your faith. But I think... For some people, they're not called to go do that. Right. And I, I think of it in terms of mission trips. Like when I went on my first mission mission trip, I thought to myself, wow, every Christian should go on a mission mm, trip. Mm-hmm. But simply that's not true. Yeah. Like some people are not called to go across the sea and, and do a mission trip. That's good. But some people are called to give to somebody going on a mission trip. Yeah. Some people are called to give to a radio station, for instance, we're heading into our fundraiser. So that's kind of top of mind for me right now. But like, seriously, you're not all, not everyone is called to do the same exact thing. Yeah. But thank God for that, because that fills the gaps that I think a lot of us would leave. Because I know that some of the things that you do, Emma, I'm not 100% called or equipped to do. Yeah. But I know that if I was called to it, he would equip me to do it. Totally. And thank you for bringing that up, because... I think that's something that's really hard when you first become a Christian, but then all throughout the Christian walk, as you're like learning more, as you're stepping into gifts that God's giving you or learning more about who he is, it's so easy to think, well, nobody taught me this. Mm. Why isn't every other Christian doing it? Or I never knew that this was so easy or so much in my calling or so much in my gifting and my wheelhouse. Why isn't everyone else doing it? And I easily fall into that all the time and we have to differentiate and separate between like it's okay if someone else's giftings are different and they can still love the lord just as much or more than me even if they're not doing the things that i'm gifted in in the the kingdom of god and i think we just have to be really careful to make sure that we're not judging people based on their gifts, yeah, but good. judging them by their fruit. And if they are, yeah, if they're, they have good works, like that's a quality thing to judge them by if they're actually going out and showing their faith, but it doesn't have to look the same way as when I do it or when you do it, Brett. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I think that's a really good point is that if you're, if you are, if you're analyzing somebody's faith, which we're called as Christians to, 
to analyze whether or not someone's a false prophet or, or whatnot. Totally, yeah. I think it's important to remember that some works, some deeds that are outpourings of faith aren't as visible as other things. Yep. And so there's going to be some people in your church that are on fire for Christ that might have an amazing personal relationship with Jesus that don't have an outward way necessarily of showing that. Mm-hmm. But you also don't know how much they give every year. Right. You don't know how much they they pray or even send a, a simple text to one person to encourage yeah. them. Those are yeah. all opportunities to express your deeds and your faith and and work your faith as well. Especially if they're like shy and or quieter. Yeah. Because, okay, Brett and I are both pretty outgoing. We're both pretty talkative, as you can tell. Um, and honestly, it's probably easier, especially since we're in radio and podcasting, for people to see some of the stuff that we're doing. We by by nature of what we do we talk about some of that stuff but i know people that are so quiet who do so many like kind and caring and compassionate things for Mm -hmm. the kingdom and it's not even that they're not outward they are outward things but they're just quieter and i've heard people say things about them like oh well they're not that on fire or they're not that passionate about their faith and i'm sitting there knowing like they actually are. They're just quiet. Yeah. I think sometimes in the church we can equate like quietness to not being passionate or not being on fire or not doing, but we just have to be careful as we're talking through these things. I just want to like encourage myself and you to be careful in the way that we are like measuring these things and really like being careful to measure them within ourselves before we go and like use these standards and these hallmarks to judge other people. Mm-hmm. So go and do. Amen. The Good Co. Podcast is better when you're part of it. You can reach out to the show, ask questions, and share feedback by leaving a message on our page at myhopefm.net. So I did say in the beginning that I would come back to the second definition of what Hallmark was. And I think this was so interesting. I'm just going to say it, and I'm going to see what happens after the fact. But... Um, The first one, I actually shared number two with you, but the first definition that came up in Webster's Dictionary for the word hallmark was a mark or device placed or stamped on an article of trade to indicate origin, purity, or genuineness. So just think about that. I know that there was a lot there. I know there was a lot there. But essentially, it's a mark to identify or to indicate its origin, purity, or genuineness. And so as I was reading that, it like hit me like upside the back of the head. And it was like, I think Jesus, as a believer in him, is the true hallmark of a Christian faith in terms of that definition. Yeah, I love, I love that definition. When you first read it to me, I was like, dang, okay, we're really going there. Because it's so, like, it's hard for me to even believe that they wrote that definition without thinking this way, which I'm sure they didn't. But it's just so it's like the origin and yeah it's just the origin of like where your faith comes from and like the mark of what it is and i think the word stamped is incredible too like signed sealed delivered (laughs) (laughs) but but like we we approached this entire conversation with the second definition of hallmark in mind Mm -hmm. when the first one was just so simple that Jesus really is the hallmark of our Christian faith because he paid the price for us. He stamped himself on our hearts. Once you accept him, I think you do all these other things, and then I think this first one becomes makes more sense. That's kind of why I ordered it that way. 
Um, so like once you have faith in Jesus, once you repent and forgive, once you have community and fellowship and you're doing something about your faith, then it makes this this definition make sense. Yeah. Is that Jesus is solely the hallmark, yeah. the stamp, the origin, the mark of purity and genuineness yep. to our faith is that he stamped himself on our hearts. And I, I love that we chose to put this part last because one, it's the most important part. So we want to leave yeah. you on it and help you remember it. But sometimes I've heard people talk about this and just say like, well, if you follow Jesus and that's all there is to it, and it's true, it is, but we forget and can get lost in that sometimes and say like, well, then I don't have to do anything else. Mm -hmm. But when we're truly following Jesus, these other four things that we talked about, they do flow from that. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to make sure that we're aware of that too and not just saying like, well, I believe in Jesus, I'm good, and that's that. Thanks for clicking play on the Good Co. Podcast. To hear another episode or to get a hold of the show, visit myhopefm.net and click podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was just a funny way to end that. <laughs> These are the outtakes. <laughs> okay, let's start. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh.